Well, good afternoon. And I am glad to see that my resident optometrist was able to make it here. The doctor's in the house. It's been a good morning. So far, it's been a good afternoon. And uh, praise the Lord will give us a good evening, a good ending of this year, and a good beginning of the next one to come. I guess I won't see any of you all until next year. Hope you all look the same. Hope the mic gets ugly. Mark. <laughs> you know, when, when you made that comment about the, the ugly children, I will tell anybody, I love my two boys. But when they were born, they looked like basset hounds. They had loose skin all over the place. Uh, uh, I, and you look at me, my eyes look sad and, and tired all the time. Their eyes were worse. They're handsome men, but when they were little babies, no. no. But they are mine, so I, I had to love them. And so I see them differently than other people might see them. But I do know about ugly children. I want to thank the church again for this opportunity and for the readily or the ready acceptance of Aaron and myself being included in the monthly last Sunday. Lord willing, one of these days we're going to build, I can leave the house and go to church and you can come and visit us. But until then, if I'm not moving, Lord willing, I'll be here. And uh, one last shot. As long as Mark doesn't get up and walk out the room. <laughs> I understand why you left the last time, Mark. I just, I just, I, I just can't let you get away with it. That's all. Quite and simple. No, you won't. I will try not to mention any more this year. Okay. I'll try not to mention any more this year. If you would open your Bible this afternoon to the book of Isaiah, and there I want you to turn to the 8th chapter, I would love to read the entirety of the chapter, but I was telling Darlene after I ate, I'm ready to go to sleep, so I don't want anybody else to go to sleep on me, so I won't do that. Let's begin our reading this afternoon in verse 12. And if you want to title this afternoon's message, What Shall or What Should the Faithful Do? Isaiah chapter 8, beginning at verse 12, down to including verse 22. Say ye not a confederacy to all them to whom this people shall say a confederacy neither fear ye their fear ye their fear nor be afraid sanctify the Lord of hosts himself and let him be your fear let him be your dread and he shall be for a sanctuary but for a stone 
of stumbling and for a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel for a gin and for a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and many among them shall stumble and fall and be broken and be snared and be taken bind up the testimony seal the law among my disciples and, I'll, and I will wait upon the Lord that hideth his face from the house of Jacob and I will look for him behold I and the children who the Lord hath given me are for a sign and for wonders in Israel for the Lord of hosts which dwelleth in the Mount Zion and when they shall say unto you seek unto them that have familiar spirits and unto wizards that peep and to mutter and, and that mutter should not a people seek unto their God for the living to the dead to the law and the testimony if they speak not according to this word it is because there is no light in them and they shall pass through it hardly be stead and hungry and it shall come to pass that when they shall be hungry they shall first they shall fret themselves and curse their king and their God and look upward and they shall look unto the earth and behold trouble and darkness dimness of anguish and they shall be driven to darkness our God and our Father this afternoon as we have been allowed privileged, blessed we've been assembled together with this thy people I want to thank you for the message that's gone forth earlier today thank you Father for the meal that we've just taken Thank you, Father, for this opportunity to open your word. May you be glorified. May your son be uplifted. And may your people be encouraged. May they be admonished. May they, Father, find purpose to rejoice even when things are not joyous. It is so important that we remember our joy does not come from our circumstances, but our joy comes from our Lord and our God. May we all be always bear these things in mind. And may we consider, are we faithful? Are we people of faith? Or are we people of circumstance? Help us, Father, to determine which is true of us. Be merciful, forgiving, watch over, keep and protect. For Christ's sake, amen. I'd like for us to first notice, as we consider what should or what shall the faithful do, I'd like you to turn your attention to verse 12. Say ye not a confederacy to all them to whom this people shall say a confederacy neither fear ye their fear ye their fear nor be afraid a confederacy we're not talking about the confederate states of America 
We're talking about an unholy. We're talking about an unrighteous. We're talking about an unhealthy confederacy. I'm of the mind that the people of God, the faithful of God, need to be a separate people. We are not to be like the world. We are to come out from among them and to be separate from them. We have been called out of the world. Church members in particular. I'm a firm believer that there are saved people not in a New Testament Baptist church. The church is not salvation. Salvation first. Faith in Christ first. After that, if the Lord so chooses, he'll give us the knowledge of the church. And those of us he has given the knowledge of the church ought to understand the necessity that we have to be a separate people. And we have been called out of darkness into light. But then he's given us, and I don't, please watch what I'm saying, or listen to what I'm saying, not new light, but additional light. The understanding of what the church is. The faithful ought to be separate. There should be a very clear line of identification between the faithful of God and the rest of the world. And I will say that to a great extent the world has adopted a lot of things that look faithful, that look right. But they're not. They have the trappings. But that's all they have. They have some knowledge. But the truth has not been applied or added to that knowledge. We need to be a separate people. If you would, look at 2 Corinthians. I believe it is 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Sometimes I tend to write down the two. Roman numerically when it should just be a one so I believe I want first, first Corinthians second Corinthians chapter 6 no I want second, first Corinthians chapter 6 I believe it's what I want just give me a minute here I know you other brethren never do this, so I'm not going to uh, uh, put it on you. I'm still not seeing what I want here. I'm, I'm, I know it's here, but I'm, I'm, I'm getting, I get flustered when I do this to myself. Nope, it's not what I want. I think it is chapter, let me go back to chapter, let me go back to second chapter. Just bear with me for a minute. It is 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 
13. Now for a recompense in the same, I speaketh unto my children, be ye also enlarged. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement or what commonness hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. What agreement hath Christ with Belial? What concourse, what concord, what agreement, what togetherness of any real meaning can the faithful in Christ have with the unfaithful world? Now that does not mean that we should not have association with unbelievers. That does not mean that we should not have friends that are unbelievers. That does not mean that because we have people in our family that are not believers, we don't see our family. I've got a cousin that is a Jehovah's Witness. And when he converted to become a Jehovah's Witness, he pretty well cut the rest of the family off. We all became heathens to him. I'm not saying we go that route. But our associations, our connections, our commonness should be very minuscule with the world as compared to the faithful. Come out from among them and be ye separate. The faithful in God should not want to be like everyone else. There should be again a very clear line of difference between the faithful in Christ and the rest of the world. Isaiah chapter 31 the first three verses Woe unto them that go down to Egypt for help and stay on horses and trust in chariots because there are many and a horseman because they are very strong but they look not unto the, the Holy One of Israel neither seek the Lord yet he also is wise or bring evil and will not call back this, his, world, his words but will arise against the house of the evildoers and against the help of them that work iniquity now the Egyptians are men and not God their horse is flesh and not spirit. When the Lord shall stretch out his hand, both he that helpeth shall fall, and he that is helping shall fall down, and they all shall fail together. We don't look to the world. We don't look to Egypt. We don't look to the world for our strength, for our support. For our help. We do not trust in the world. 
We do not look and analyze and study the things that are going on the way that the world does. Our perspective should be different. We should say things vastly different than the world does. We're living in a time now that in my 66 years, I've never seen before. More uncertainty. What's been called a pandemic that just does not seem to go away. It just morphs into something else, but it keeps hanging around. Instability. You're the people of God should not be worried. We should not be wringing our hands wondering what is going on, what's going to happen. What is God doing? I don't know. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what God is doing. We trust in him. I believe Brother Mark made reference to that this, after this morning. We trust in God. Yeah, sure, maybe our dog died, our refrigerator broke down, we have four flat tires, we're running a temperature of 104, nothing looks good. But God is still in control. We trust in Him. We don't seek worthy answers. Now there may be counsel that we can use. I think Brother Mel is a classic example. He is deep in the legal system. He can be used of God to walk through the legal system. But do we look to the legal system necessarily for our recourse? No, we look to God. And God will send us to individuals like Mel that can help us migrate through the legal system. Do we, or do I worry about my eyesight? Sure, I'm concerned about it. But I'm not going to put undue pressure on Aaron and say, Aaron, you got to kill, you got to heal this. You got to take care of this. No. The faithful look to God, and God will direct. Sometimes Aaron gets mad at me because I don't necessarily um, seek out her medical advice. Not because I don't trust her, but I've long had this little mental block that I don't necessarily want to know too much about my doctor because I don't want to realize he's incompetent in a lot of areas just like I am, which will shake my confidence and his ability to take care of me. And I also don't necessarily want my doctor to know too much about me. You know, there's things about me that I don't want Aaron to ever know. Now, that may be stuff way back, but she didn't know those things. So I like to keep some time a little uh, separation. I know sometimes she doesn't quite understand that, but maybe one day she'll say, you know, my uncle, he might have made a little more sense than I thought he did. But my point is, who are we trusting in? Do we trust in medical science? Do we trust in the laws of man? Do we trust in consumer reports, other people's opinions? We trust in the Lord. Brother Mel mentioned this morning about a procedure. 
some of you know I've had kidney cancer three times, prostate cancer once. They're looking at possibly the kidney cancer may come back in the remainder of my left kidney, which may result in either another surgery or complete removal, or maybe nothing. But you know, and I don't say this patting myself on the back or saying, oh, look how faithful I am. I say this simply. Because the first surgery I had when I woke up, the doctor told me I had to take my left, my right kidney. I said, well, wait a minute. Should I only expect good from the Lord and not evil? The Lord's in control. Mark King said, we're all going to die. We'll die from something unless the Lord returns. So I don't fret about it. In fact, some people tell me that you act like you don't care. I do care. But I'm not worrying about it. The Lord's in control. Now, do I always do that? No. There are matters that come up that I wring my hands about. Then they just kind of just flow away. But the people of faith ought to be different than the rest of the world. We should be seen as different. There's something different about you. Pray that the difference is Christ and not you. I want you to secondly know what does the faithful do? Go back to Isaiah chapter 8. Something else the faithful should do beyond being a separate people. There are people that are to fear God and not man. Verse 14 and 15. In fact, actually 12, 13, and 14. Verse 13, sanctify the Lord of hosts himself and let him be your fear and let him be your dread and he shall be for a sanctuary but for a stone of a stumbling and for a rock of offense to what the house of Israel, our house of Israel for a gin and for a snare the inhabitants of Jerusalem and many among them shall stumble and fall be broken and be stared and be taken. Don't be afraid of men. Don't be afraid of what a man may do. You know, the worst a man can do in my mind is kill me. And if he does, then I hope the Lord. Anything less than that, the Lord preserved me in whatever state I'm in when I got through with that individual. We fear God. God can destroy both soul and body in hell. The man can destroy the body. That's what they can do. In the book of Deuteronomy, turn if you go to chapter 10, and there verse 12. Deuteronomy chapter 10, and verse 12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord thy God require of thee? But to fear the Lord thy God, and walk in his ways, to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God, with all thy heart, 
and with all thy soul. Fear the Lord thy God. It's a shameful believer that doesn't fear his God. In fact, I question the salvation of an individual that does not fear God. Because was it not the fear of falling into the hands of the wrath of God that led you to flee to Christ? Wasn't it the fear my sin has separated me from my God? I need a deliverance. I'm captive to a sinful nature, a sinful body, a sinful world. What is going to deliver me from my sin? That's the question Paul asked. Oh, wretched man that I am, who should deliver me from the body of this death? We thank the Lord. We should fear God and not the world. And not men. God can destroy everything. But you know, it was the love of God that for the foundation of the world, He chose a number of people known only unto Him in Christ to save at a time and a point and a place and a means by which. He determined. A God that can do that before there ever was anything to say on December 26, 2021, I'm going to save somebody. He knows who that person is. I'm just going to point out. Brother Steve. I don't know how long Brother Steve's been saved. This may be the first day. And of course, the Lord appointed that day for him to be saved. The day that I was saved, the day that the Lord appointed for me to be saved. A God with that kind of power, with that kind of insight, with that kind of understanding, is warranting our fear, our dread. There's nothing he can't do. There's nothing impossible with God. He sees everything. He hears everything. I believe the scripture tells us that every idle word will give an account of one day. You know why? Because God heard that idle word. He's aware of that idle word. He's aware of our idle thoughts. He's aware of places that we go. You realize that God knows every place you go? I was teasing Aaron after church Wednesday. And I said, well, now, she told me, I'm going home. I said, you call me, let me know when you get home. As you all know, she didn't call me. But um, she said, well, I'm, I'm going to go home. I said, as long as you don't go to Billy Bob's house, I don't care where else you go. Don't go to Billy Bob's, you go home. Billy Bob is the name that popped in my head about somebody she's going to go see that she had no business being there. And I, I say this because I don't know where she goes. 
I don't know where you go. I don't know what you do. But God does. The faithful understand that. They live in the presence of an all-seeing, all-knowing, and all-powerful God. And you're not escaping. That might be why the scripture said the fear of God is beginning of wisdom. When you realize who God is, the wise thing you can do is fear him and flee to his place of refuge. Whatever he has established, wherever he has set as a place of refuge, flee to it. You know, there were cities of refuge among Israel. If a man could get to this place, he was okay. He was protected. God is to be feared. We don't fear men unless you're doing 85 miles an hour in a 35 mile an hour zone. Then you fear. And you have right to be afraid. Because you're wrong. Or do anything else in St. Clair County, Illinois. You may wind up looking at somebody in this room. Fear that. But that's because of your actions. We fear God. We also trust God. The faithful know God is faithful and God is loving. Therefore, what we do, what we say, where we go, will not separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Fear, yes. Peace, joy, comfort, yes. It seems kind of opposed to each other. But a proper understanding of the nature of God led you to flee to Christ. And in there, in Christ, there is room for rejoicing, room for peace. And basically, a room to be comfortable and to relax. I'm not talking about being lazy and lackadaisical. I'm talking about because we fear God and we know God, our desires will be in line with God. Should they not be, Brother Mark? Should not our desires be in line with what God would have us to have, what God would have us to do, where God would have us to go? If those desires are in line with God's will for us, we give desire of our And if they're not, then basically you need to go to the Lord about it. Third day of life is consider the faithful. This is kind of what they should have done first and foremost, but I want to put third. 
And that is, they must see Christ. You're not faithful if you don't see Christ. You're not faithful if you're not walking in Christ. Yesterday was December 25th. The day set aside by many to mark the birth of Christ. You know the birth of Christ was an accident. It wasn't a happen chance. It was set down and planned and purposed by God again for the foundation of the world. Isaiah chapter 7 beginning in verse 11. Ask you a sign of the Lord thy God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, neither will I tempt the Lord. And he said, Hear ye now, O house of David, in the small thing for you to weary men, will you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall, call his, and shall call his name Emmanuel, which we understand to be interpreted God with us. A virgin shall bring forth a son. He'll be called Emmanuel, God with us. There was a lot of people yesterday. They celebrated the Christmas holiday and could not care less about Christ. Christ means nothing to them. It's tradition. It's what they do. It gives them good feelings. It gives them reason to party. A family across the street from me, they left early in the afternoon, all the cars left early in the afternoon and said, oh boy did I have a party here this evening so he rolled me to park in front of my house I get down the street well I left home just for dark to go back down the city to get some few things like that, thought yesterday afternoon I'm going to church tomorrow, I'm going to have your eyes I didn't close to the church tomorrow. So I left where I was, went down the house I'm moving out of, get me some clothes. When I got back, all the cars that left early in the day were back. And more cars with them. And what I'm saying is, they had a party. That's all yesterday was to a lot of people. The Lord Jesus Christ was born on a particular day to a particular couple of people according to the determining counsel and foreknowledge of God. It was not an accident. There were other people that had the name Jesus. Joshua one of them. But he was not the Lord Jesus. He was not Jehovah's salvation. This one was. This son that Mary is going to bring forth is going to be 
Jehovah's salvation is going to be God with us. If you celebrated Christmas yesterday and you don't know Christ, you celebrated a tradition. It's all you celebrated. The faithful must see Christ. They must see that stone of offense You'll notice in our text, it speaks of the fact there should be a a stone of stumbling and for a rock of offense to both the house of Israel for a gin. A gin is a, is a trap. It's going to be a trap and a snare for the inhabitants of Israel. And many among them shall stumble and fall and be broken and be snared and be taken Christ is a stone of the stumbling and a rock of offense he is very offensive to a lot of people is Christ an offense to you is to hear about Christ offensive to you is to have Christ preached offensive to you your faithfulness now I can't determine whether you're faithful or not it's not my I, I don't have that, that, that knowledge to understand it. but if Christ is a stumbling block to you or if you have trouble you know I've heard about this all my life but it just seems hard for me to believe that one little boy, one baby, born in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes, because there was no room for the inn, he's out in a stable somewhere, could grow up one day and take away all my sin. That one baby could be God incarnate. It could be God taking on himself the person, the image the flesh of a man and become a suffering substitute. That's what's needed to be believed. You don't believe that Christ was a good teacher. You don't believe that Christ was a nice person. You don't even believe that Christ was a prophet. You have to believe that Christ is the same. You have to believe upon him was going to be nailed all of your sin. When he went to the cross at Calvary, he took every single sin you ever did, never will do to the cross with him. If you have a problem believing that, I'm going to go on record of saying, you're not faithful. You're not walking in faith. Because what is it that we're believing? What are the faithful walking in? What is their faith? What, what is the essence of their faith? The essence of our faith is that God in Christ took away my sin. All of it. Every single one of them. And you know, he did it willingly. 
He knew every sin that you ever were going to commit. And he said, I will die for them anyway. You gave it to me. He delighted in doing that. Can you comprehend that? Delighting to go to the cross. For the joy set before him, he endured death of the cross. If you can't believe that, or if you don't believe that, either you're not in faith or you've never been taught the deeper things of the work of Christ on the cross of Calvary. But the faithful must see Christ. You must see Christ as your Savior, as your prophet, as your priest, and as your king. Christ is and must be all and all to the faith. Last in this point, turn your Bible to the book of John, chapter 6. In John, chapter 6, I want you to notice verse 37. John, chapter 6, verse 37. All that the Father giveth me shall come unto me. And him that cometh unto me I will in no wise cast out. That was Christ. That's what Christ said. That's what Christ promised. And Christ never took back any promise he ever made. If he made the promise, the promise is going to come to pass. Do not say, I want to come. I tried to come. He didn't let me. It ain't going to happen. Anyone that desires to come unto Christ in faith will most assuredly be accepted. It will by no means be cast. You must see Christ. And as I may mention of the last time I was here, must remain in Christ. It is so essential that people be reminded. You don't just once come to Christ in faith. You once come to Christ, you once come to Christ in faith, but you continue in Christ in faith. On and on and on and on. It never ends. Don't think you can be faithful today and not faithful tomorrow. It's going to work. It doesn't work that way. Faith in Christ must be the beginning. It must be at the beginning and it must also be at the end. Fourth thing that I believe the faithful shall do or the faithful must do. They must seek their God and his counsel. Look at verse 19 of our text. And when they shall say unto you, Seek unto them that have familiar spirits, and unto wizards that peep, and that mutter, should not a people seek unto their God for the living and the dead. 
We're going back to that fearing God. The trusting of God. Who do we seek? Whose counsel do we We don't go to palm readers, soothsayers, tea leaf readers. Does anybody, here, does anybody here have a set of tarot cards in their house? Please don't raise your hand if you do. We're laughing, I did say it in a joking way. There's a lot of people today that want to add the mystical. They want to roll it all together. If we put it all together, we're going to come to a better understanding. No. Very rarely does God give us more than one way to do anything. Every night he does. You, know, you can take from the sheep, from the goats. But there's some, something you give a little, little leeway in. But when it comes down to counsel, when it comes down to who it is that we look to, one person. That's God. Should not a people seek under their God? Who do you look for? Who do you look to? Don't go to familiar spirits. Don't go to soothsayers and witches and the like. The mystical is not where the answer is. The answer is the Father. Lastly, along the same line, the faithful shall know his word. Verse 20. To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. The faithful are going to walk. They're going to talk. They are going to live by. And they're going to prophesy by. And when I say prophesy, I'm not talking about something new. But they're going to declare, thus saith the Lord. What is the Lord's statement. What did the Lord say about this? I'm going to say something personal here. I know Brother Mel was aware of it. But back in October of last year, my wife left the home. And in July of this year, I filed for divorce. And about a month and a half ago, she had never been served. And I wondered, why? Why does it take you so long for this to get done? And the answer came to me. Because you've got to stop the divorce. And I'm getting real personal with you folks. I know I am. But I 
I could not move forward with it. The Lord said, you got to stop this. So, Lisa had to come to the house to get a, a, a matter settled with the, the car that she got. And I told her. I'm stopping the divorce. But the time I told her, she didn't know I'd been, she had filed yet. Because she had been served. I didn't tell her. The Lord impressed me in his word. I have forgiven you in my son everything. What can anyone do? And I'm not saying that what was done, what there was anything drastic or nasty that she did. That's not what I'm saying. I filed for the divorce on the grounds, you don't want to be with me? But when the Lord impressed upon me, stop the divorce. I know the choice. I stop it. So it looks like in the next couple of weeks she'll be moving back into the home. Now there are going to be people that are going to be saying, "Oh, that was all her idea. You got a new house. You got a nice house in the suburbs." I'm going to go on record. It was mine, it wasn't hers. Because I was convinced that the counsel of my God told me this is not the way to go. Because anyone that knew about it, it's been stopped. I I talked to my lawyer and said, look, um, it is imperative that we suspend this thing. God's word speaks to us, speaks to us at times that really we're not necessarily looking for. But when we hear it, the faithful recognize it. They recognize this is the Lord's doing. Follow his counsel. You know, my lawyer didn't try to force me to do it, to continue. But he did tell me, well, now, understand something. If she wants to pursue it, she can. Okay, fine. I got to do what I got to do. I got to do what God has impressed upon me to do. Folks, do not be afraid out of pride or what someone might think or what someone might say. Follow God's counsel. Follow God's word. But in order to follow God's word, you've got to read God's word. You have to sit under God's word. I'm going to say, you need men like Mark King. You need men like Mel Kimberly. I'm not going to put myself in that category right now. You need men like them. Sit under them. Listen to what they have to say. They're God's counsel. There's a passage of form. Do not shy away from the leadership, the counsel, and the instruction 
and the encouragement of the man of God that holds to God's word. And if he's worth his salt, he's going to hold you to God's word. And that's what you need. You don't need YouTube. You don't need Amazon. You don't need the internet. You need this right here. And a faithful man. And a faithful woman, if she can do part, do do any of it. If she has a part in it, don't get in the pulpit. But other than that, don't call her pastor. But if she is a godly, faithful woman, and she can take you to the word of God, go with her. God's counsel, God's word. The faithful of God. Fear God. There's seven people. They look for it. They wait for it. They know Christ. God's word, God's person is what they're looking for. I trust that everyone here has come to faith in Christ. I don't know. But if you hadn't before you got here, I hope then September 26, 2020 is the day that God calls you in faith unto Christ and calls you from darkness and death unto life.